Welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have our friend and in-house OBGYN of the podcast here at Unaborted, Dr. Brent Bowles, on the show here momentarily to discuss the recent confirmation of Katanji Jackson to the Supreme Court, um, who was appointed specifically because of her skin color. Joe Biden said at the very beginning that he was going to pick a black woman for the Supreme Court, not based off of, I guess, credentials, not based off of uh, ideology or jurisprudence, but just based off of skin color and gender, which is strange because I, I, I thought we didn't know what gender was. And the woman he appoints can't answer the question what a woman is, but it was very important to have a woman who can't define a woman to be the black woman on the Supreme Court. And we're going to talk about what this story really reveals about the Democrat Party and their political priorities and how Joe Biden was actually the first person to block a black woman from getting on the Supreme Court, a story in history that many people are not familiar with because the activist media is always going to cover for and carry water for the Democrat Party. So we're going to talk about the basis of the 14th Amendment, how the left wing uses it to actually promote abortion, and Katanji Jackson's strange unwillingness to answer the question, what was the basis for the Dred Scott decision in the first place? All of this seeming ignorance of the left wing is actually their silence on issues that they know will open them up to attacks from pro-lifers and the conservative movement. So we're going to talk about all of these things and more. Tune up, you're in for a treat. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Dr. Brent, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Seth. It's good to be with you. Again, welcome back, of course. Um, for the listeners of the show, uh, we're actually going to have a very exciting episode for you guys here in the near future. A really excellent session you and I did together at the Heartbeat International Conference in Jacksonville, Florida. Was that, I guess, just in, was that April or March? I'm losing track. Um, and uh, we're going to be airing that here on Unaborted, diving into a lot of the studies and claims that the pro-abortion movement makes about the safety of abortion for women. Um, and there was a lot of original content and a lot of really good insights that you brought as an OBGYN and doctor to that session, which was, I think, at least for the day we did it, the most, the largest just attendance of any breakout session at the conference. And I think it was a, a really a hit out of the park. And so we'll be sharing that on the episode. So you guys look for that episode with Dr. Brent. You're really going to enjoy that. It just excellent content as a way to expose the lies of the left and, and how they use women as the second victim for abortion. They use women, abuse them in order to protect abortion while claiming that, that, that it's actually good for women and there's no physical or mental consequences to abortion. The reason I say that, Dr. Brent, is we see a very similar strategy here with this whole political whirlwind regarding the Katanji Brown Jackson. Everyone calls her by three names. I got Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Everyone has three names now. Katanji Jackson's uh, appointment and now confirmation to the Supreme Court. It's a very similar strategy, right? It's, it's, in my opinion, they're using black people as political puppets only if those political puppets are progressives, if they agree with them in order to protect progressive priorities and in order to protect abortion, which is the number one priority of progressivism. Just like they use women who they claim to be a compassionate servant for by providing abortion, but it actually harms the women as well. And they're going to bury all of that in order to protect abortion, just like they're going to bury Katanji Jackson's uh, 
uh, inability to answer a question about Dred Scott. They're gonna they're gonna bury um, Joe Biden's uh, d- destroying the confirmation of the first black woman nominated to the Supreme Court. So the priorities and the strategies are always very similar, and that's to filter out of sight and suppress any facts or alternative ideologies or arguments that might compromise their power and compromise abortion. Because we remember every time a Supreme Court seat opened up during the Trump administration, every headline at every activist media outlet wasn't about transgender bathroom laws. It wasn't about open borders. It wasn't about drug laws. It was always about abortion. Now they knew, of course, that you know that it was uh, they they were going to be able to replace Stephen Breyer with another radical. So the balance on the court is kind of the same, but it it still always goes back to abortion. So you had some excellent insights and a lot of things that I found people aren't aware of. So I wanted to, to dive into that. But let's start with this, Dr. Brent. Um, during the confirmation hearings. One of the senators, I think it might have been Ted Cruz, asked Katanji Jackson um, to provide the basis and background for the Dred Scott decision. And she said, quote, she doesn't quite remember the basis for the Dred Scott decision. One of the most famous Supreme Court decisions in American history asked to a black woman who has praised the 1619 Project who, right, who, is a, who is a radical left-wing activist, so she believes what? That America is systemically racist, that we have to address our historical sins through reparations and actions now. So if you believe all of that, certainly you remember the basis for Dred Scott, but I guess she doesn't, just like she can't really answer the question what a woman is, Dr. Brent, because she's not a biologist. So uh, providing that intro here to this conversation, uh, I want you to kind of give us a history lesson on the history of Dred Scott the 14th Amendment and why it's necessary, and how, ironically, the left uses the 14th Amendment as an argument for abortion? I'm not a lawyer, but I can answer the question. (laughs) Are you a biologist? (laughs) I I am a biologist as well. I have a degree, bachelor's degree in biology. Um, So it's just, it's tragically ironic that a woman whose nomination and confirmation has been so widely celebrated because of her ethnicity could not discuss the ethnic and racial elements of what is widely considered to be one of the two worst Supreme Court decisions in nearly 250 years of Supreme Court history. Um, Objective scholars will tell you that the two worst decisions are Dred Scott v. Sanford and Roe v. Wade. Um, And she was unable to discuss the basis. Well, here's the historical basis. In 1857, a case was heard by the Supreme Court. Uh, Chief Justice Roger Taney was the the Chief Justice of the court at that time. And um, there there weren't, there certainly weren't 50 states. This is pre-Civil War. There were some states Uh, and some territories that were still governed by the federal government. Um, There were states where slavery was illegal. There were states where slavery was legal. There were territories where slavery was legal, and there were territories where slavery was illegal. And a thing called the Missouri Compromise, um, which if you look that up historically, 
um, set a policy that any new territories west, I think, of the Mississippi River uh, that were added after that point would be territories where slavery would not be legal because Republicans wanted to oppose the expansion of slavery as the country was growing. Uh, Democrats wanted to protect the expansion of slavery, so they opposed the Missouri Compromise. Well, uh, a guy who owned a family, uh, Dred Scott and his wife, were uh, black slaves. Uh, he and the two of them and their children were owned um, actually not by Sanford, but by Sanford's brother-in-law. Sanford, uh, the named uh, defendant in the case, his wife was married to the man who owned Dred Scott and his family. They initially lived in a state where slavery was legal, so it was legal for him to own this man and his family and treat him as property and give him no rights because they were in a territory, they were in a state where slavery was legal. But then they moved to a territory which, because of the Missouri Compromise, was a territory where slavery was illegal. So Dred Scott got a lawyer and said, we're in an area where this isn't legal. I want my freedom. I want my family's freedom. And it went all the way up to the Supreme Court, where in a seven to two decision, the Democrats on the court that wanted to protect the institution of slavery created a decision in which they said that for the purposes of constitutional protections, black people weren't really people. They couldn't be citizens, so they were entitled to no protections of any kind in the Constitution. Not only did they not have a right to life and freedom and the pursuit of happiness, um, they, they, didn't, they didn't even have the right to not be owned by someone else. Uh, in fact, they were, because of this decision, they were uh, considered to be property uh, anywhere in the United States or in its territories, even though slavery was illegal in those territories by a constitutional law uh, that had been passed. Um, so they, they twisted the constitutional interpretation of who should have rights and that it wasn't that all people should have rights, just some people. Um, and as you and I have talked about before, that's if, if rights don't apply to all people, they're not rights, they're privileges. Um, so because of the Dred Scott decision in 1857, it was cemented into American jurisprudence that black people weren't really people and had no rights and couldn't be protected by the Constitution, um, could be treated as owned property, and their owners could do anything to them they wished and suffer no consequences. So that was horrifically tragic uh, to dehumanize an entire class of people simply because of their skin color. Um, didn't matter whether they were born in the United States, born on American soil, or born in Africa and abducted and brought over here by slave traders. Didn't matter if they were black, they were not people. Uh, they, they reduced them to nothing more than cattle, beasts of burden. Um, just absolutely tragic and horrific. Our country fought a civil war to end the issue of slavery. But even though the North won the Civil War, 
and Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation and freed all the slaves on American soil, there still was this constitutional issue because of the Dred Scott decision. Um, and to overcome the constitutional interpretation of black people not having rights, the Congress and the American people passed three constitutional amendments, the 13th, 14th, and 15th amendments. Um, so you would think that someone who seeks the position of Supreme <laughs> Justice would be able to intelligently discuss amendments to the Constitution that have such a profound right. historic significance, but she couldn't remember the basis, uh, so she refused to discuss it. Um, I like to reduce things to an either-or type of analysis. We do that in medicine. We see a problem, and we think, okay, this is either due to this problem or it's due to that problem. Um, and you can do that in this situation. That that logic, that technique of logic applies well to this. Either Katanji Jackson does not know the history and the context of the most racial decisions made by a court in American history, or she does know it, and her answer was disingenuous because she did not want to open herself up to having to discuss the connection between the philosophy of Dred Scott and the philosophy of Roe v. Wade. Wow. Wow, Brent, that was incredibly well put. Thank you. Now, so for people listening to this, <clears throat> and this is just a brilliant overview of the history. Thank you. Um, I know you. I know you don't identify as a historian. I know you're not a historian, um, but those were some very good um, historical insights that you just brought for us there. Um, and and anyone who's listening to that obviously is seeing the connections between the underlying ideology of Dred Scott and the underlying ideology of Roe versus Wade. Um, by the way, isn't it interesting that both decisions were 7-2? Uh, yes. That's incredibly interesting. Um, and, of course, it was all the progressives on the 7 who who said that blacks were not persons and now babies are not persons. So anyone listening to that is going to see, oh, wow, obviously it's the same ideology. It's the dehumanization of a certain class of human beings um, <clears throat> who we don't want to grant personhood to. Why? Because we actually have a lot of political cultural and capital gain to make on on keeping them dehumanized so that we can treat them as property anytime you hear a bodily autonomy argument dr brent for abortion like my body my choice or the famous violinist or whatever it is any bodily autonomy argument they're just telling you that the baby is the property of the mother that's all they're saying. They're, they're saying regardless of what kind of rights they might have, those rights actually don't matter at the end of the day because the mother's rights always trump the child's rights. Okay, then you're just telling us that the baby is property. However, the irony, Dr. Brett, is that the left and especially more academic legal theorists who are on the left have, have frequently for decades argued from the 14th Amendment as a way to justify abortion. They're, they're saying that the 14th Amendment actually provides some of the best um, political um, uh, ammunition for the defense of abortion. So can you talk about the irony of that um, as well as perhaps maybe why that – perhaps that's why Katanji Jackson forgot the basis uh, for the Dred Scott and 14th Amendment? I, obviously, she's not a stupid woman. She – has a 
college degree and a law degree, and she has um, progressed well through her career. Uh, she's not a stupid woman. Uh, so my either-or analysis, I think, is just highlighting the fact that there is no way to look at this other than the fact that she was disingenuous because she didn't want to highlight the connection. She knew where Senator Cruz was going with that line of questioning. Um, and here's, here's where the similarity is. The Dred Scott decision selectively decided that black people aren't people, that the white slave owners would be economically disadvantaged in society if they weren't able to continue to maintain their slave population um, and that they wouldn't be able to participate in society to their dreams and desires or to the level of their dreams and desires. Uh, therefore, black people must pay the price and be considered as no more than beasts of burden and not really human, uh, not human persons, not for the pursuit of happiness of yeah. slave owners. <laughs> it's for the pursuit of the slave owner's happiness. That's what was protected in Dred Scott. Well, so we fight the war. We pass three amendments to correct that Supreme Court debacle. And then it's tragically ironic that 116 years after Dred Scott, the 14th Amendment is used as part of the justification for the Supreme Court's 7-2 decision in Roe v. Wade that decided, um, and ultimately the way they were able to accomplish this was to completely ignore the rights of a third party. They looked at Roe as the as a conflict between the supposed right of a woman to terminate a pregnancy versus the right of a state to regulate it, and pointedly refused to consider the fact that there's a third party involved who will die in every abortion decision um, and have their right to life taken away from them. So in order to use the amendment to say that the woman's right to end a pregnancy couldn't be taken away from her without due process, they had to silently accept the fact that that decision resulted in the deprivation of the basic right to life for another human being. Um, and they, they, you know, they didn't even have the cover of science at that point. Since, since 1973, there's a tremendous amount of science that proves right. that human life begins at conception. But even then, there were textbooks of embryology published in the 1960s that said human life begins at conception. Dr. Bradley Patton's classic textbook, Human Embryology, in its first chapter says human life begins at fertilization. Um, that was being used in medical schools to teach them. Since then, there are editions of embryology published by Dr. Keith Moore. Every edition of every textbook he has said says in the first chapter that human life begins at conception. Um, but prior to for our listeners, that's called the developing human clinically yes. oriented embryology. Yes, that's the title of Dr. Moore's. There are at least six or eight uh, editions of his text. Uh, but even the first edition says human life begins at conception, and an embryology text from the 1960s says so. So they just, the um, Justice Blackman and his six abortophilic cohorts. Um, wait, wait, wait! I, I want I want our listeners to hear the the term that you just coined. 
uh, abortophilic, like an abortophile. Uh, Tell our listeners uh, what that means and why we should all start referring to pro-choicers and activists as as abortophiles. Well, it's uh, the, you know, I believe it's a Latin term for file just means love or Greek. Actually, it's Greek, I think. Um, City of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love is the, that's from the Greek word philos. So file, um, a person who's a bibliophile loves reading books. Uh, A person who's an abortophile loves abortion. Um, and we use that, you know, term, you know, pedophilia as well as another <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, use of that suffix. So, um, but Blackman and his six abortophilic colleagues on the Supreme Court decided to ignore the rights of the third party that were at stake uh, and behave as if there were no rights, just like Dred Scott justices decided that black people weren't people and didn't have rights. So it made the decision they wanted to make easier. Uh, And that's how we got Roe. They just decided that there was a class of human beings that were not protected by the Constitution, that did not have rights uh, and could be treated as property and disposed of in any way desired. and that the state couldn't regulate that. So that's how we got Roe. Um, and that's why there are so many, you know, the, the similarities are, um, they're, they're just so tragically ironic that a constitutional amendment used to fix Dred Scott was actually twisted in a way that allows it to function as part of the justification for Roe. Yeah. Um, but even the, even the abortophiles that argue these cases before the courts uh, in the recent Dobbs arguments, the the attorneys arguing for abortion, they couldn't really pin down where the right to abortion comes from. Was it grounded in autonomy? Was it grounded in liberty? Uh, they were asked, and they couldn't answer those questions uh, because there's no way to make those answers sound as if they make sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, and, and it's it's strange too, Dr. Brent, how um the cogn- the absolute um foreign language that conservatives are speaking when we make the comparison between abortion and slavery. The left wing literally stares at us like we're speaking a different language. And when I did this at a couple college campuses recently, uh, namely Kennesaw State University in just outside of Atlanta, and then was speaking with like 55 students versus me at UC Berkeley recently, uh, they, they literally lose their mind. Um, and I had people literally scream and cuss at me and say, what? What are you t- – what? Like, like they've never heard this before. Like this is the strangest comparison anyone could ever make, that there would be no rational basis to ever compare the arguments for abortion and the arguments for slavery. It's, it's, it's very strange to watch their heads implode when you make this comparison. Um, but not only are they the same, Dr. Brent, because in each case a class of human beings were denied personhood and then personhood was, was grounded in sort of arbitrary um, functional capacities – that, that became the litmus test for personhood. It's not only that, the comparison runs deeper. The comparison is that 
those functions and capacities that were used by racists then and by pro-choicers now to ground personhood are all functions, capacities, and accidental properties that all come in varying degrees. So it's a quote-unquote freedom that actually dissolves freedom because it's basing rights on things that come in varying degrees. But when you base rights on things that come in varying degrees, you know what follows? Rights, therefore, come in varying degrees. The only way to maintain human equality for all human beings is to actually ground those rights in the only thing we have in common. And we would all say that that's being a human being. And so Lincoln, in 1864, before his famous Lincoln-Douglas debates, he pens this little piece on a piece of parchment that we still have somewhere where he was sort of testing out the reasoning he would use against Stephen Douglas, and it was called Fragments on Slavery. And he said, you say A is white and B is black. It is color then, the lighter having the right to enslave the darker. Take care, because by this rule, you are to be a slave to the first man you meet with a skin fairer than your own. <laughs> Melanin skin color comes in varying degrees. So hey, racist, if you're, if you're grounding the black man's rights or lack thereof, in their skin color, but skin color comes in varying degrees, then, then by, by that test, the albino has the right to enslave the moderately uh, tinted Caucasian and deprive him of his life and liberty because he's the palest of all. <laughs> and then Lincoln continues and say, you do not say, okay, it's not color. You say it is a question of interest, that if you can make it your interest, you have the right to enslave another. Very well. And if he can make it in his interest, he has the right to enslave you. Oh, but you say it is a question of intellect, that whites are intellectually the superiors of blacks and therefore have the right to enslave them. Take care again. By this rule, you are to be a slave to the first man you meet with a skit with an uh, intellect superior to your own because IQ comes in varying degrees. And so then Nancy Piercy in her book, Love Thy Body, Dr. Brennan, this brilliant uh, sort of just uh, revealing of the premises of progressivism exposes how the pro-choice argument is also based on grounding personhood in, in capacities and functions that come in varying degrees. And she says, the only way the state can legalize abortion is to deny the relevance of biology and declare that some biological humans are not persons. The state has taken on itself the authority to, d- to decide which humans qualify for the status of personhood, defined in terms of mental abilities, the capacity to think, feel, and desire. And the same reasoning is now being applied to euthanasia and assisted suicide. You see, the personhood litmus test for the unborn is whether they can think, feel, and desire. They don't have any desires, so we're not depriving them of the right to life, the pro-choicer says, right? They, they can't feel pain, or to some point they can't, and they can't think, and you hear that argument all the time. They, right, they, say, that, they say, Dr. Brent, well, if, the, if, bra- if death starts with brain death, if that's how we measure what death is, which, by the way, that's a fascinating conversation for another time, then wouldn't it follow that life begins when there's cortical brain activity? So they say if the baby's not thinking or doesn't have brain activity, they're not a person. But, but thoughts... Feelings and desires also all come in varying degrees, just like the arguments used to dehumanize the black man were based on capacities and functions that all come in varying degrees. So then, the very freedom that the left is seeking through promoting abortion is a freedom that dissolves their own freedom, 
or to quote Abraham Lincoln, it puts in place the premises that justify their own enslavement. When a new tyrant comes along who comes up with a new arbitrary measure or litmus test for personhood and then wields it against the progressive left wing. And, and that's the sort of the, the funny history of tyranny is that is that the lion always eats the activist last <laughs> because they're they're putting in place the premises that justify their own enslavement. And I'll end with this, uh, Dr. Brent, and then I want to I want you to talk to us about how Democrats don't really love uh, black people only when black people can be used as puppets to further their priorities. Uh, Jeff McMahon, who's who is one of the foremost pro-choice academics. OK, he, he's written some of some of the best defenses of abortion. And he admits in one of his books that that uh, he can't make sense of egalitarianism and equality because he's pro-choice. It's a fascinating admission. Um, and here's what he says. He says, all this leaves me profoundly uncomfortable. It seems virtually unthinkable to abandon our egalitarian commitments. Yet the challenges to our position Whose challenges, Brent? The pro-lifers. He's saying the challenges to our position support skepticism about the compatibility of our beliefs with the fact that the properties on which our moral status appears are all matters of degree. <laughs> He's, and, and so he says uh, it, it seems virtually unthinkable to abandon our egalitarian commitments, but all this leaves me profoundly uncomfortable. Why? Why does it leave you uncomfortable? Because he wants equality, right? He, he wants equality for all human beings. But he's saying the very properties that I say personhood appears on are properties that come in varying degrees. So I don't know how to, uh, how to uh, you know, achieve this equality that I'm seeking when my very arguments for abortion compromise equality for all human beings. Anyways, I got on a soapbox there, Dr. Brent, but I just wanted to build out what you're saying, that, that these are the comparisons, between the Dred Scott and Roe versus Wade, the dehumanization of black people and the dehumanization of the unborn. And one day that dehumanization will come home to roost for the very people who pushed it initially. So um, Joe Biden loves black people, right, Dr. Brent? That's why um, he, he always wanted to get black people on the Supreme Court. It, it didn't matter what their politics were because he's an anti-racist. He's trying to make up for the historic sins of America's uh, of Mer American slavery. Uh, and that's why he... Uh, you know, pursued high-tech lynchings of Clarence Thomas and Janice Brown. Many people don't know the name Janice Brown, but she could have been or would have been the first black woman on the Supreme Court. And Joe Biden was was really at the forefront of ensuring that she did not get on the Supreme Court. Um, so uh, talk, talk to us about this story. We all know the viral clip between Joe Biden and Clarence Thomas, but a lot, lot less people know about Janice Brown. So tell us that story. And again, how this kind of reveals uh, some of the deeper priorities of these progressives and also kind of how it mirrors uh, Margaret Sanger's strategy, actually. Well, it's, it's just another tragic irony uh, that is allowed to exist because too many Americans are clueless. Uh, they're lazy, low-information voters who don't understand history and don't care anything about anything that happened before yesterday or anything that's going to happen any later than tomorrow. Um, and they just... So they, they vote based on feelings um, rather than, you know, really looking at how important it is, you know, who we vote for. So 
right now, Joe Biden is being celebrated as you know the person who picked the first black woman to be a vice president and the and the man who put the first black woman on the Supreme Court. Um, and people forget that his mentor and best friend in the Senate uh, was Robert Byrd, who was a member of the KKK, <laughs> uh, was a grand wizard for the right. Ku Klux Klan uh, from the state of West Virginia. Um, and there, you can all you have to do is Google Biden and Byrd, and you'll see pictures of the two of them having a great time together. Um, wow. Joe Biden is the man who, as a senator, publicly opposed desegregation. You know, when Kamala Harris was his VP candidate, she talked about how, you know, she was, you know, as a child, was experienced some of the turmoil and the struggles over desegregation. Well, at the time she was a child experiencing that, her current president was in the Senate opposing desegregation, and he publicly said that he did so because he didn't want his children growing up in a racial jungle. He didn't want the white <laughs> children going to school with black kids. Wow. So why do we suddenly forget all of that um, and pat him on the back and praise him for having a black woman as vice president and nominating a black woman to the Supreme Court. Wow. And More he's told us what he thinks about black people, right, Dr. Brent? The, f the famous clip with that, uh, uh, that famous uh, YouTube podcaster, Charlemagne, uh, where he said before the election, he said, if you can't figure out if you're for me or Trump, you ain't black. So yeah. you got a white man telling black people that they're actually not really black if they don't vote for Democrats. Yeah. So I want to provide that as the, as the softball for you to hit it out of the park, because oh, doesn't this okay. reveal what you're just about to talk about that they will only work with and promote black people if they think just like them. Exactly. Um, they, they don't have any more respect for black people than they have for unborn people. Uh, they only want people to be born if they're wanted and not inconvenient or expensive in some way, uh, instead of respecting each human being as having a, an innate right to life, um, they also don't think that black people are worthy of any consideration uh, or respect uh, unless they agree with the, unless they've stayed on the Democrats' plantation, basically. Unless they're, they're wanted. Um, <laughs> Yeah, if they're, you know, they're only wanted if they toe the party line and do what they're told uh, and think like they're supposed to think. Uh, case That's in point, right. Clarence Thomas, That's right. uh, the second black man to be nominated as a Supreme Court justice, nominated by George Herbert Walker Bush, the first Bush, uh, who served as president after Ronald Reagan. Uh, Clarence Thomas, a brilliant legal mind, uh, strict constitutionalist, um, originalist in terms of believing that the Constitution, as That's Scalia, right. I think he and Scalia were ideological right. soulmates, uh, yeah. they believe that the Constitution isn't a living document, it's a piece of paper that is the law of the land, and it says what it says, and it doesn't say what it doesn't say. 
um, and that it should be interpreted as such. And if that doesn't suit the American people, there's a constitutional process for changing the Constitution. It's called amending it instead okay. of changing it by making things up uh, from the Supreme Court bench. Um, Clarence some, Thomas, of the best, Thomas. some of the best political clips we have historically are between Clarence Thomas and Joe Biden. And yeah. <clears throat> for the listeners, you guys listening to this, you got to go watch the documentary Created Equal about yes. Clarence Thomas. And he talks about his interaction with Joe Biden. And what was Joe Biden's line of questioning, Dr. Brent? It was asking Clarence Thomas his position and beliefs on natural law and natural rights. And Clarence Thomas says in the documentary, he says, I didn't really know what he was talking about, except that he was trying to use this as a way to trick me into talking about abortion. <laughs> and if you watch, it's so evident that that's what that, that's about, because every high-tech lynching of Republican-appointed Supreme Court justices has always been about preventing Roe versus Wade from being overturned, about abortion from being t torn down. And Clarence Thomas acknowledged that that was obviously the reason be reasoning behind Joe Biden's questions, because you're not allowed to think for yourself. You have to think just like Joe Biden. And then you had that famous line from Clarence Thomas responding to Joe Biden in one sentence that just destroyed the whole proceedings. <laughs> Brent, that, that Joe Biden I mean, had nothing to say after this. He said, this is nothing but a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who deign to think for themselves. To your point, you're not allowed to think for yourself. You have to think just like white Democrats, or otherwise maybe you're not a full person either. So, so anyways, that, that, that's iconic. Um, but then we also had Janice Brown, Dr. Brent. So talk to us about Janice Brown and the story, the little-known story about how Joe Biden was actually the man to prevent the first black woman from getting on the Supreme Court while he's being rolled out and hailed as this hero yes. for appointing the first black woman on the Supreme Court. Well, after uh, the first Bush nominated Clarence Thomas and his nomination was successful despite racist Joe Biden's best efforts uh, to kill the nomination, um, the second Bush had some vacancies on the Supreme Court. Um, well, actually, let me back up. There's a woman named Janice Brown, or your, your listeners may find her as Janice Rogers Brown. Um, she was a daughter of Alabama sharecroppers, poor family, a black. She put herself through college and law school, wow. did so at least part of that time as a single mother, and still wow. was successful had an illustrious career, and despite the fact that she was an outspoken conservative, she was so likable and so well-respected. And, you know, that's one of the things that they talk about Katanji is, oh, well, you know, she's so likable. Well, Janice Brown was so likable that in California, where Supreme Court positions are elected by the public, not appointed that despite the fact that she was an outspoken conservative, she was liked enough by the citizens of the state of California to be elected to their Supreme Court and to be reelected when her term came up for reelection. So she was chosen by the people of California to be on their Supreme Court, despite the fact that she was a conservative. Here she is, you know, 
a woman who grew up in poverty, put herself through school, did not resort to abortion uh, when faced with a pregnancy, but had her child and raised her child and still was successful. She is the epitome of the refutation of every argument for abortion that exists. Um, So George Bush, George W. Bush, nominated her to a, I believe it was a federal district court or a federal court of appeals seat um, because he had she was on a list of people for him to consider. He looked at her, looked at her record, and wanted her to be a federal judge. Um, Joe Biden killed her nomination the first time. Uh, but George Bush liked her well enough that when additional seats on federal courts came up, he nominated her again. And in a strategic move by the Republican Party to get a set of just or set of federal judges confirmed, uh, the Republicans agreed not to end the filibuster on judicial nominations. So the Democrats went along with it, allowing Janice Brown to be confirmed for a federal judgeship despite Biden's continued opposition. He voted against her twice. Wow. Uh, Then there were two Supreme Court seats that came open at about the same time. I don't remember. Uh, One of them was the retirement of Sandra Day O'Connor, and the other one might have been either the retirement or death of Chief Justice William Rehnquist. Um, I don't remember exactly what happened for him to leave. Um, But Bush nominated John Roberts to take Rehnquist's place, and then he wanted to pick a woman to replace Sandra Day O'Connor. And he wanted to pick a black woman, Janice Brown. Um, This was nearly 20 years ago. And Joe Biden, who was still a senator, still on the Judiciary Committee in the Senate, still holding the keys to any judicial nomination, publicly said on Face the Nation in a Sunday morning interview, that if George W. Bush nominates Janice Brown to this Supreme Court seat to replace Sandra Day O'Connor, I'll kill the nomination. Oh, man. So he was promising to do that beforehand. So just like he promised to fill his first vacancy with a black woman when he was president, he promised to filibuster the nomination of the woman who should have been the first black woman on the Supreme Court uh, 20 years ago. So we could have had a black woman on the Supreme Court since the early 2000s, nearly 20 years. Um, And it's just so ironic that now Joe Biden, whose actions are arguably racist um, and prejudiced against blacks who dare to think for themselves, and have opinions that differ from his, uh, it's ironic that he's getting the credit now for putting the first black woman on the Supreme Court. So why why this black woman? Um, Because she's a radical leftist. She's brilliant. She's likable. She's got a pretty smile. She has a good face for the camera. Uh, The media loves her. Um, But she's a radical leftist. When she was a Supreme Court clerk for Justice Breyer, who she is now replacing, she put together information to—she helped him assemble his position on 
opposing a ban on partial birth abortion. Yeah, uh, we're she trying wanted to overturn it. <laughs> to be able to pull a full-term baby out by the feet and stab the neck and suck out the brain to collapse the head and deliver a dead baby. That's what she wanted to support. Uh, She also supports suppressing the First Amendment free speech rights of pro-life activists who want to pray on the sidewalk in front of abortion clinic. She has ruled against that kind of stuff. Uh, But, you know, doggone those pesky pro-lifers, they shouldn't have a right to free speech, but let's let pedophiles off the hook as quickly as possible and give the lightest sentences possible. It just... it's so yeah, yeah. And, and and the uh, the the progressive quote unquote progressive woke Christians uh, in America, Christian leaders, authors, pastors right now, Dr. Brent, there it shocked me to see how many of them were praising and celebrating the confirmation of Katanji Brown Jackson. And I'll, I need to do a whole episode on that, actually, Dr. Brent, um, about the major Christian figures, pastors, leaders, thought leaders, authors who posted on their social media platform celebrating this. It's disgusting. And it just goes to show you that um, the, the left wing is only judged off of what they say and never off of what they do. It doesn't matter their record. It doesn't matter that Joe Biden said, I don't want my kids growing up in a racial jungle. If you can't figure out if you're for me or Trump, you ain't black. Um, It doesn't matter that he opposed desegregation. It it doesn't matter that he supports abortion, which kills more unarmed black people in the womb every week than the KKK lynched in a century. None of that matters because he says he's an anti-racist, whatever that means. He, He says that he's for the black man. He says he's for the little guy. So his record, it just doesn't matter anymore. Um, so that's sort of an aside. I need to do a whole episode on on the the black and white Christian figures and leaders who were celebrating her confirmation. Uh, the ignorance, or or dare I say, the alternative ideologies and heresy in the church is 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 absolutely horrific. Um, however, this really mirrors the Margaret Sanger strategy. Right, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, and we'll we'll do a whole thing on her one time, a whole a whole like full hour and a half episode on her legacy. Um, but this woman, in one of her more um, uh, popular uh, letters to a man named Dr. Clarence Gamble, said, "We do not want word to get out that we want to exterminate the Negro population," and she's saying, "So the black minister." is the one who can straighten out that idea if it occurs to any of his more rebellious members or congregants. Uh, And so Margaret Sanger early on wanted to use black people to promote and protect abortion. Uh, and, And she was famous through the Negro Project to get black ministers involved with pushing the Negro Project. And, and and the Negro Project, generally speaking, was just trying to encourage more black people to get on birth control. Um, and she she did it, quote unquote, under compassion, right? Except this is the woman who said regarding blacks and the physically and mentally disabled, Dr. Brent, though, uh, she called them those human weeds, yes. <laughs> those defective stalks, which prevent the blossoming of the finest flowers of American civilization. That is disgusting, bigoted language. And then you see how Planned Parenthood, through their growth in America, 
hires black people and Hispanic people to sit at the front desk to be the face of the organization at the surgical centers located in minority populations, in minority neighborhoods, so that the majority of their clientele who come in can identify with and trust someone who looks like them. But, they're, but of course, they don't like uh, Clarence Thomas. They don't like Candace Owens. They don't like Brandon, Brandon Tatum. They don't like black pro-life conservatives. Um, because they believe, like Joe Biden does, that these people are only useful if they don't deign to think for themselves and they think just like us. And so today, Joe Biden has opposed the confirmation of Clarence Thomas and Janice Brown, two black pro-life conservatives. Why? Sure, all of the progressive priorities, but we all know first and foremost, because of abortion. That's why he was trying to get Clarence Thomas to talk about natural law. Because when you say I'm in the natural law tradition or I believe in natural rights, you're probably pro-life, right? And so therefore we can't let them get on the court. We remember the questions of uh, Amy Coney Barrett in particular, but of course they asked them of of, uh, of all of Trump's nominees, uh, uh, who all their names are skipping my mind right now, uh, about what they thought about Roe v. Wade. Um, Brett Kavanaugh and, uh, and the other one, um, the line of, yeah, thank you. The line of questionings from the progressives in those hearings, Dr. Brent was a, a huge priority was focused on abortion Roe versus Wade, of course, because you don't want a pro-life getting on the Supreme court. And so today it's the Margaret Sanger strategy at the political level, put black people forward as puppets only if they think just like us to be the face of protecting and promoting abortion. It's just Margaret Sanger writ large. Um, So I wanted you to sort of comment on that too as we wind down um, and kind of how all of these puzzle pieces are aligning with the Supreme Court's decision so close to June and seeing whether Roe v. Wade will get overturned. It's the same thing. You know, Margaret Sanger's disgusting comment about, you know, we don't want rebellious black people who think for themselves working against our agenda to kill the black population. Uh, it's, that's the same strategy that the DNC and the left wing has towards black people now. Uh, if you don't toe the line, if you think for yourself and you happen to be conservative, then you're just rebellious and we need to suppress what you uh, think and, and uh, limit your ability to Uh, be a part of the process, Um, which that is such a racist attitude. Um, You know, we, the conservatives did not oppose Katanji because she is black. Uh, (laughs) Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg would disagree with me. Uh, In fact, they vigorously, multiple occasions, talked about how the Republican senators that opposed her were racist Right. Uh, they're not. We're we're anti-progressive ideology. We're anti-left wing, but we're not racist. None of those senators from the Judiciary Committee or Republican senators in the Senate who uh, voted against her confirmation, none of them have ever said, I don't want my kids growing up in a racial jungle, so let's keep mm-hmm. the poor black kids in poor black schools and keep the white kids safe. You know, none of them said that. You know, none of them ever looked at a black person and said, if you don't agree with me, you ain't black. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's just sad that right. we have such, we have a nation of people with such poor intellectual skills to where 
things like that just go right on in one ear, out the other, never given any thought between the ears. Um, and it's, it's just, it's really, I think, quite yeah. sad. Uh, and just to go back and summarize again, the similarities between the racist De- Dred Scott decision and the uh, Wade. Um, Dred Scott was decided in favor of white slave owners, which incidentally only made up about 2% of the American population, um, but made in favor of white slave owners who wanted to protect their ability to be economically favored and to participate in society the way they wished to participate, uh, despite the fact that allowing them to do so deprived an entire class of human beings of any rights or self-determination whatsoever. Um, Similarly, Roe was decided to allow women with an undesired pregnancy the right to terminate that pregnancy, treat it as property, um, in order to participate in society to their greatest degree of desires and freedom and economic advantage and educational advantage and all of those things that they that, that abortion says that aren't true. Um, you know, abortion really is the ultimate misogyny. It says to women, you can't be as smart as a man, as strong as a man, as successful as a man, or as rich as a man, if you don't have the right to kill your unborn okay. child. Um, and you know what? Doing that, it's never going to hurt you. It's never going to have any adverse consequences. Uh, it, it's like a, a lie from beginning to end, up and down. Yeah and through. Um, and what Katanji did when she said she couldn't remember the basis for Dred Scott was an effort to protect her and her ideology from having the public see clearly the the linkage between Dred Scott and Roe v. Wade. Yep, that's right. Yep, that's right. Beautifully put. You know, Elon Musk hit the nail on the head recently, uh, Dr. Brent, when he publicly acknowledged as an elite, which they rarely do, <clears throat> that we don't have an overpopulation problem. We have an underpopulation problem. And we have been under replacement rate in America for decades now. That's a problem. That's, that's the direction of a dying country and a dying society. And so if you're truly an anti-racist, um, then you should actually want black people having more babies. Um, particularly if you want to self-correct from America's sin of slavery, right? You would want more black people in America taking up more percentage of the American populace, more people participating in the American experiment and dream. Um, But they, once again, take the Margaret Sanger strategy, which is to suppress black people to ensure that they remain below replacement rate. Because if you get too many of those black people out there reproducing, deigning to think for themselves, then maybe the racial class that represents the best political bang for their buck, meaning the disproportionate amount of the 13% of black people who vote for Democrats, if we start getting them all reproducing, enjoying the fruits of family, of of self-fulfillment, of pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, of being successful, maybe they won't be so, um, uh, 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 you know, likely to, uh, to bend towards our lives. That uh, if you're, if you 
like yourself and you're not a racist, then you have to vote for Democrats because the Republicans, they're really the racist party. Actually, they really hate black people. They're very racist. So vote for us if you want to protect your black heritage and your black family. Maybe they'll start realizing that that's a lie when they're actually enjoying the fruits of the American dream. So suppress the black people. Make sure there's not too many of them. And then label people who deign to think for themselves as the black face of white supremacy. Never forget that was an opinion editorial in the Los Angeles freaking Times discrediting Larry Elder, who was running to replace Gavin Newsom yes. as he was being recalled. The black face of white supremacy. This yes. is racism. The only place that racism is actually alive and well today in America is in the Democrat Party. And the abortion issue is the number one example of that. Because what's more racist than murdering black people uh, because they're black? And we have Planned Parenthood admitting on camera to live action investigative undercover journalists that if someone wanted to make a donation specifically earmarked to help fund the abortion of a black baby because, quote, I have a problem with affirmative action. I don't want my kids being disadvantaged. I just think that the less black people, the better, you know. I'm quoting from investigative journalists. What was Planned Parenthood's response? Oh, yeah, we'd love to help you with that donation. We all know that they're perfectly fine with this. Um, But these are the suppression efforts. To, to make sure that they are they appear as the anti-racists, the Republicans appear as the racists, so they don't have to answer questions about the linkage, like you said, between Dred Scott and Roe versus Wade, the importance of the 14th Amendment, and how these arguments are virtually the same. So to finish, to quote my uh, colleague Scott Klusendorf, in the past, we used to discriminate on the basis of skin color and ethnicity, and we still do at times. But today, with elective abortion, we discriminate on the basis of size, level of development, location, and your dependency. We've simply swapped one form of bigotry for another, which was yes. why my, my university lecture tour was called Pro-Choice Equals Bigotry. Uh, Dr. Brent, any closing comments? Thank you for that wonderful historical insight. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I just I do want to take a moment and just remind your listeners about... The, the key fundamental things to remember about why we say abortion is racist. Um, the institution of abortion in America was founded and promoted by a racist eugenicist named Margaret Sanger, whose group helped inspire the ideology of Adolf Hitler. Um, she did not want black people having a role in society. She considered them human weeds. That is why 70% of Planned Parenthood's abortion facilities uh, in America are within walking distance of minority neighborhoods. 79% and the actually. Action, yeah. The action of abortion um, has made the black population in America the only minority population that's not expanding. Since Roe versus yeah. Wade, the number of Latinos in America has increased. The number of Indians and other Asians has increased. Uh, every minority population in America has increased in the last 50 years, except for the black population. It was about 13% of the American wow. population in 1973, and it's still about 13% of the American population. Why is that? Wow. Because black women of reproductive age make up 3% of the American population, but they have 39% of the abortions uh, because they're told that's what will fix their problem. Um, And in another just uh, scathingly awful comment uh, that got no press at all, 
Ruth Bader Ginsburg, while she was alive, said in an interview with Vanity Fair magazine that her greatest disappointment in abortion was that it hadn't worked well enough to reduce the numbers of people that we don't want more of. <laughs> Look at the all- feminist slay queen, right? Um, Look it up. Wow, Dr. Brent. Here, here's the last hot take, and then we'll say goodbye. Um, the left claims, remember, that anywhere there is inequality, okay, um, that is proof of inequity, that that is proof of discrimination. Remember, that's their claim. It doesn't matter the underlying reasons for why black people might get arrested at a disproportionately higher rate than white people, namely that just statistically they're, they're committing more crimes. No, 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 that doesn't matter. Remember, anywhere there's inequality is proof of discrimination. That's what they say on, on virtually any political issue. Okay, well, why has every racial class increased except black people? That's inequality. Therefore, according to their own priorities, that proves discrimination. So then where's the discrimination coming from? Who's the one discriminating such that only black people haven't increased their population in America? Uh, Themselves. They're the ones discriminating against them because they're aborting them at a disproportionate rate. And they're pushing lies about abortion, like abortion is 14 times safer than childbirth. And we have that Planned Parenthood black community tweet from a few years ago that said, scary stats. Um, it's statistically safer to have an abortion than to give birth to your child as a black woman in America. They're pushing lies like this to make sure that black people keep aborting themselves so they remain a minority in America. If inequality proves discrimination, then the lack of population growth in the black community also proves discrimination, and they're the ones responsible for their discrimination. Anyways, Dr. Brent, thank you for coming on the show, brother. Uh, Appreciate all your insights. Keep up the good work, and we'll see you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for joining the show today. Fascinating conversation. Uh, I, I, we, I intended to have this conversation earlier, but I think it's important as everyone's celebrating Katanji Jackson as this just uh, black progressive slay queen who likes to give short prison sentences to child pornographers and child rapists, uh, censor the pro-life speech of pro-lifers outside of the sidewalk, help Stephen Breyer draft an opinion to overturn the partial birth abortion ban so we can continue stabbing babies in the back of the neck with Mets and bomb scissors and sucking their brains out and call, not calling it infanticide. Uh, and can't answer the question what a woman is. Um, th- th- that's who this woman is. And she won't even answer basic questions about the basis for the Dred Scott decision in the 14th Amendment because she knows deep down that she's pushing the same ideology and doesn't want to be open to attacks to how she's being used to protect the left's greatest sacrament of abortion. So share this with your apolitical friends and your progressive friends uh, about the legacy of Joe Biden always preventing black people from getting on the Supreme Court who deign to think differently than himself. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, give the show a rating and review. We really appreciate it. If you want to uh, connect with me, subscribe to my newsletter or see my speaking events, go to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. (laughs) 